Well, welcome back, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Movies and Brews podcast, where we talk movies and we drink some brews. I'm Jordan, and staring through the screen here is a guy that real suspiciously went out and got himself a wood chipper recently. Uh, I don't know if we should, uh, hopefully, you intend on chopping. I got a bunch of trees in my yard. Uh, okay, okay. Well, I'm going to be uh, checking them with your household here in a couple weeks to make sure everyone's all right. I would. I would. So today we're going to be talking the next episode of the uh, HBO series, the movies, the 1990s. As well, it's crazy as- to think we've already watched, we've gone from the golden age through the 60s, and now we're all the way up to the 90s with only one more episode to go. Yep, yeah, it's gone by pretty quick. But yeah, today we'll be talking Fargo as our main movie on tap. So sit back, relax, grab a drink, and let's... uh. Let's get into it. <laughs> All right. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Let's see, you got a bottle of something over there, Daniel. Was that 10 barrel I saw? Uh, yeah, it's 10 barrel apocalypse IPA. Cool. So I got something brand new I've never had before. Um, Pono Brewing. Pono, Pono Brewing. It's their Fresh Hop IPA. Oh, nice. I always like a fresh hop IPA. Yeah, it's that time of year. Mm. It's got some good flavor to it. I like it. Nice. Oh, cool. Well, Daniel, you ready to talk the 1990s? I am. This is probably one of my favorite decades of movies, obviously, because we grew up in this decade, or at least I sort of grew up in it. Yeah, you know, I never consider myself a 90s kid because born in 94, by the time I remembered anything, it was pretty much 2000. So it's well, like it's like me calling myself an 80s kid. I mean, I remember the late 80s with Ninja Turtles. Yeah, but did you do any cocaine, Jordan? No. Then you weren't an 80s kid. That's what I'm saying, is I, I couldn't really consider myself an 80s kid because that's all I remember is the late 80s. Yeah. <laughs> I know people, I, I always see that on the internet. It's like, what makes you a 90s kid? Blah, 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 blah. I'm just like, well, I don't consider myself one. Well, yeah, a lot of, lot of, lot of good movies come out in the, the 90s, I'll tell you. And this is kind of like my era for comedies. I mean, these are the things I grew up with that, you know, in junior high, I became quite acquainted with. Uh, yeah, just they go over a lot of movies in this episode. Um, one, one quick funny thing that... Um, so, you know, last time I complained how they didn't touch on Disney going downhill for a little bit in the 80s and coming back up with Little Mermaid in 89 and then how that led to a series of cartoons. Yeah. Well, they touched on it in the 90s episode. Which is good. It's still weird that they didn't touch on it in the 80s. I, I feel the same way. You know, I feel like they, I, I don't know. Yeah, but I noticed that too. I'm like, wow, why did they put it in the 90s episode? But still. But great. I mean, yeah, because you have Beauty and the Beast, excellent and that's when they were starting to use computers to do the, the cartoon animation and just making them just look so just beautiful i mean that dance ballroom dance sequence is still just amazing yeah and then you got of course one of my all-time favorites aladdin i mean if that is probably my all-time favorite cartoon i, I mean i love j- things like jungle book and pinocchio growing up but aladdin i just i watched that so many times as a kid yeah same then then of course the next one the lion king which is just a masterpiece yeah 
I remember uh, our sister and I, Lauren, we went and saw that they did a re-release of that in 3D. And it's kind of weird because you're like, lying, a 3D cartoon, 2D cartoon in 3D. I don't even know how to explain it really, other than it, all the animation just popped and it looked sharp. It was and one of those, like, it was just one of those times that the 3D was just made to make things look better, not necessarily to jump off the screen. Right. And it, it looks so good, so sharp. I mean, I guess you could see some depth in the uh, landscaping, which just made it look so cool. And, oh, man, I just remember both of us were just so giddy sitting there watching it because it's just we, we're watching our, one of our favorite childhood favorites, and it's just the best we'd ever seen it. You can't even imagine the stampede scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even know where to start. Do you have any favorites from the 90s? I mean, I got a ton. <laughs> I mean, personal favorites from the 90s? I mean, I guess there's like a bunch of like the Disney movies that we all watch. I mean, what? And then, of course, they talk about Toy Story, which um, I know we've talked about that on our Pixar episode slash Toy Story 4 episode. But like you were even talked about like you, you know, I watched it a bunch as a kid. And then you even said like, you like being older you remember like you're like every it feels like every time i walked into the room you guys were watching toy story that's so true for the longest time in like the late 90s you and kylie were always had toy story on so so definitely i've seen that i mean but that was one like if you guys were in there watching it i had to stop and watch it at least for a little while if not just finish it with you because that is such a good i mean that movie was a game changer for just the industry you know, it was still a magical day. <laughs> I think it was sometime last year, maybe two years ago, when I just told you, I'm like, yeah, Shell and I decided to watch the first Toy Story. And then we watched the second one. And then we watched the third one. <laughs> All in we one day, we're like, we weren't just, planning on it, but damn, they're so good. We're just in tears at the end. It was just so But great. I mean, I feel like as far as that goes, like, yeah, I mean, Home Alone is one, like, that one yeah. we've seen a lot in like Toy Story were probably the most iconic, so but also ni- Aladdin. 1990, I still really kicked, love Aladdin. 1990 kicked off two of my favorite films, which neither one of them get talked about in this, or at least you could show just an itty bitty flash of Home Alone at the very end there when they're doing rolling credits. But two of my favorite movies from 1990 don't get talked about at all. Yeah, all right, I've already given one away. Can you guess what the other one is? Uh, Austin Powers. That was 97. The Wedding Singer? Nope late 90s i don't remember t-u-r-t-l-e power t-u-r-t-l-e power power. (laughs) oh yeah they didn't mention the ninja turtles very first live action ninja turtles came out in 1990 still a pretty good movie too yeah so i never saw that one in theaters but i remember maybe it was like the following christmas like i got it on vhs loved the shit out of it even though it was like so violent for a kid movie and I, I can't even imagine like mom and dad not seeing it they're like yeah it's an intro it's gonna love it but i imagine dad probably sat down and watched it with you and probably was just like holy shit <laughs> I mean, like, in some ways it's not that violent but it's it's just dark for a kid movie it's dark i mean it has a huge dark tone i mean that i mean the scene where they get their asses kicked and they all almost die in a fire and then they're all kind of dealing with a bunch of trauma for a little bit at April's old house. Like, yeah, it's a, it's really heavy. For oh, but it's movie. so good. It's so good. I mean, the first one is still by far my favorite. Uh, gosh, I, I remember, <laughs> I think mom had never really sat down and watched it. So I remember kind of being a little cautious trying to watch it, you know, making sure she was like occupied doing something else. Cause I knew there's stuff in it. She just would not like right but what a great movie but uh, so one of my all-time favorite movies ever 
definitely one of my favorite 90s movies kicked off the 90s you have home alone very first one so what i guess the way i remember the story is our grandparents went and saw the movie and then called our parents up and were like oh my gosh you've got to take jordan to this movie like all right let's do it i mean i'm sure i saw commercials for it too like on saturday morning cartoons like oh that looks cool he's a little kid home alone you know at my age and he's setting traps for bad guys Woo! but yeah i, I, I could remember, do that i think i saw that one at least twice in theaters but man i was like instantly in love with it instantly oh my gosh <laughs> that is so i mean that used to be like a year-round movie for me i've probably seen that movie literally 50 plus times no joke. Oh, I'm sure. Probably way more than that. And I watch it once a year now, just annually. <laughs> Have to, no matter how many times I can recite the whole thing. Doesn't matter. One of my just all-time favorites. Our sister Lauren and I, we uh, we stole a saying from that movie. This is our, the way we cheers when we have, at least when we have bottles that clang. <laughs> is uh, We do the old line where they pick up their crowbars and we say, crowbars up. Ching. Ching. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I'm really glad about this episode is getting into the, the 90s. I'm like, oh, thank God. I wasn't adding 17 plus movies to my list when we hit the 90s. Yeah. You're like, well, I've seen which, that. that. I've seen that. Which actually, as far as like, okay, the episode was still good, but it doesn't have like as much of a mystique as the other episodes did for me, where I'm just like, oh man, I've never touched this type of franchise. Never seen any of their movies but uh really nice i'm like oh i've at least heard of most of these if not seen a good number of them mm-hmm. so i i think i only wrote down like five movies out of the 90s what'd you write down uh, i wrote down boys in the hood because that's something i really need to see yeah i still haven't seen that either uh something about mary for some reason that looked funny <laughs> oh yes that same guys that did dumb and dumber right and that's that makes sense but like six degrees of separation. Also, I've never seen that Will Smith movie. Will Smith, yes, neither have I. I don't even know if I've heard of that one. And but. then we had Unforgiven, that Clint Eastwood movie that I was texting you about. Uh, Heat and Fargo, which obviously we watched Fargo. Although I guess I didn't uh, add the Wes Anderson movie that I texted you about too. Rushmore. Rushmore, because yeah, that looks fun. I still have not seen that one myself. Uh, you forgot one of the biggest of the decade, Daniel. What? The one with the freaking iceberg in it. Oh, Titanic. Yes, yes, yes. But it was fun to hear them <sighs> talk about I'm going to get you to Terminator. watch that one of these days. Here. I'm going to get you to watch that. I know. I mean, winter's coming up. You're going like... to lose a bet badly, and boom, you're going to have to watch Titanic. Probably. But so, yeah, I mean, like, so I like a lot more of these. I'm familiar with more of like the night, like I'm definitely familiar with like n- 90s movies, like tropes and stuff. I mean, but some of the stuff I haven't seen forever, like listening to them talk about like Clueless and stuff. I'm like, I should definitely rewatch this movie. Yeah, I've only seen that once. And what's yeah. crazy, I didn't know who the hell Paul Rudd was at the time. And there he is I in know. a clip. I'm like, oh my God, is that Paul Rudd? Yeah, I know. Shiloh was showing me a clip of clueless a while back i'm like holy shit i totally forgot paul rudd was in it because yeah i didn't know who paul rudd was when i watched it i knew silverstone that was about it and that's yeah i knew her from that movie and batman and robin i guess she was in one more movie in the 90s i think called excess baggage of course i remember my friends and i only went and saw that one because like oh she's so hot (laughs) let's go see this terrible movie with her in it but 
Yeah. So like, I didn't write down a ton. I'm sure there's more that I might have forgotten to write down, but like, it wasn't as like magical. Just like, oh man, all these movies that I've never seen before, you know, like, especially from like the seventies and the eighties too was a lot of fun. Cause like I said, I've seen a lot of eighties, like cult classic horror movies, but not a lot of anything else from the eighties. Yeah. No, there's still, even in the nineties, I was, I was amazed how much there still, I still haven't seen. I had heat on my list as well as well as Fargo until last night. <laughs> and Unforgiven is another one that I still have not gotten around to watching. But yeah, the 90s for me growing up, because uh, you know I was like seven in 1990 when Home Alone came out. And it was more about, yeah, so whatever spoke to me as far as like adolescence and like going into high school and stuff went. For I guess for me, mostly the 90s were about comedies until we get to the late 90s and I start getting appreciating dramas more which we'll get into 1999 a little bit. And I'm so glad they, they uh, talked about that year, but yeah. Yeah. For me, it was all about comedies. I mean, some of my favorite comedies of these days are from the nineties. I mean, you've got Wayne's world one and two classics. They, yeah, they didn't mention Wayne's world. Did they briefly? The Brief, first briefly, one. they talk about big moments in movies and they're like the headbutting scene from like the begin, like the beginning of Wayne's world one, I guess is all they mention of it. Yeah. The Bohemian Rhapsody scene. Yeah. But amazing movies though. All right, so Jim Carrey, they talked about him on heroes in the nineties and wow. <laughs> as far as like one hit after another, I mean, you got dumb and dumber. That's one of my favorite comedies of all time. Then you got Ace Ventura, uh, the mask, uh, you know, Ace Ventura 2, you've got Liar Liar, all in the 90s. Um, I know I'm forgetting yeah. at least one other big hit that he had, but uh, uh, it Man ends, with, it ends with, with Man on the Moon. What's that? Was it? I think they were talking about Man on the Moon in 1999. That was in 1999, and yeah, so he ended the decade with that movie, which was another great performance by him in that. And yeah, I think the Truman Show came out right before that, like in 98 or something, when he tried okay. to go for his uh, first serious role or one of his more serious roles but yeah just one hit after another i mean in junior high especially i love jim carrey especially yeah. ace ventura and dumb and dumber were two that i watched on repeat all the time and the mask that that one is great as well but yeah i loved jim carrey so much in like let's say junior high high school i you know at the time was like this guy's by far my favorite actor he's just hilarious makes me laugh that's the thing is I guess while I was thinking about like when like the Jim Carrey section was on, I'm like, you know what? A lot of these movies I've seen once when I was a lot younger. So I'm like, I should watch them again, especially like Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. I know I've seen that, but I guarantee you I was too young to get most of the references or jokes. Like I'm pretty sure every one of Jim Carrey's movies that I've seen was when I was a kid and like all everything probably just went right over my head. Yeah, so I uh, know you got to revisit some of them. I'm overdue yeah. to revisit a lot of them because, see, a lot of these I had like all his 90 movies on VHS, and I gave our sister my VHS collection, and I, I didn't replace a lot of his movies on DVD or Blu-ray. So it's been a long time since I've seen a lot of them now. Yeah, I mean, I remember you had the mask, and I think it was like a yellow or orangeish VHS. There's a lot of like, like I said, like I wasn't like blown away with like, oh man, I've never even heard of this. Blah blah blah. I mean, some of it, obviously. But I'm more just like a lot of these I'm like I've seen once a lot of these are like I need to revisit like some of these older movies and actually like watch a few more like Jim Carrey I've never seen Band on the Moon or the Truman Show. 
you know so there's a lot of like stuff from there that i would like to revisit oh yeah no, you gotta watch those one of my favorite i'm thinking back in junior high one of my favorite comedies of the 90s was encino man with brendan fraser and Polly shore yeah i remember shot or not Shia, kylie used to watch that movie a lot i never really liked that one it was it's a ridiculous comedy but i don't know why i just i loved it maybe i uh at the time could uh relate to um uh what's his face um brandon fraser no not sean penn not sean penn samwise the brave whatever the hobbit guy's name is oh i forget his name rudy (laughs) yeah they do him dirty and stranger things season two yeah yeah what uh what am i trying to okay this is killing me now all right gotta look it up like yeah. in 92 and Cena man. Sean Austin. Sean Aston. Aston. There we go. Jeez. Wow. So embarrassed. Sean Aston. But yeah. <laughs> Great movie. Loved it. Um yeah, I again uh oh Chris Farley owned every single one of his movies. Tommy Boy and especially was just one of my all-time favorite comedies. I mean to this day. I almost watched it last night. I'd started uh Fargo a little too late. But uh, yeah, there was enough time before I got too tired. I was going to throw on Tommy Boy and watch that. It's been so long since I've seen it. And I recently purchased it on DVD. Again, because my sister has, our our sister has my VHS collection. (laughs) I mean, that's okay. Damn. I was going to be like, well, I watched one of my favorite 90s movies beetlejuice but i'm like nope that was 88 it was right before the 90s definitely has a lot of 90s feeling to it though well a lot of actors too that you see get bigger than 90s like um what a katherine 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 harris right home alone mom katherine o'hara yes there we go yeah i know so not quite, but you know, after watch that, I'm like, you know what? I might be ready to finally watch Edward Scissorhands. Oh, you better. That's about time. Oh, was another thing too. So Tim Burton became like probably in the late nineties started becoming one of my favorite directors. Uh, I remember having to sneak out to go see Sleepy Hollow in 1999. <laughs> you know, I still never seen that. No. No, Charlotte and I actually started watching it. Um, one day like about a month or two ago but for some reason we just like decided to watch something else after we got like 30 minutes in <laughs> um again i one i'm so glad they uh they touched on tim burton films in the 90s and his relationship with johnny depp and great stuff they did because they talked about edward scissorhands which came out right in 1990 definitely it's, talked there's a lengthy section on ed wood which i thought was great and they talked about ed wood which i think is a masterpiece personally i love that movie so much it's my favorite johnny depp performance and johnny depp was in i mean i i have loved johnny depp before he was a pirate a lot of people it was like early 2000s when they seemed to like for whatever reason discover him at least younger crowds when he was a pirate i loved him before as a pirate though he was in such good movies played these just quirky roles but they were just so fantastic from edward scissorhands to ed wood to benny and june even gilbert grape great performances in all of them yeah but you know he did sleepy hollow with tim burton and i mean they've just they've had a great relationship and just they've done so many good things together you know, it's always fun to see, like, a director, like, have a guy or, like, a, a girl, you know, whoever they pick that's just in all of their movies, you know, like, t- 
Tim Burton's got Johnny Depp. What was it? What did they mention? Like, oh yeah, uh, Martin Scorsese has Robert De Niro. Yeah, he had De Niro, and then he had. Uh, I mean, and DiCaprio. then Tarantino has like. <laughs> he's got a handful. Yeah, well, handful, he's got yeah. Samuel L. Jackson, Tim Roth. Um, yeah, Tim Roth was the one I'm thinking of. Oh, so Michael Madsen. I mean, he's got Uma Thurman. It, it's nice when uh, directors and actors work together so well. I mean, yeah. Tim Burton's got also, Johnny Depp. Um, like Woody Allen had uh, Diane Keaton. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's great. And especially it helps when you just have such a great actor so they can just do any role that you're giving them. So like Christoph Waltz, anything that he's in, anything he touches. Oh gosh, yeah. Awesome. So sp- speak, let's get into some Tarantino. So, I mean, in, yeah, obviously I, I was not allowed to watch his movies as a child or even in like junior high it wasn't until much later that i got into quentin tarantino stuff uh i remember gosh i think i was 17 when i sat down and watched pulp fiction with some of our cousins and so much of it was just so because i never seen anything like it. it was so much over my head and i just again had never seen anything like it before that was just i don't even i don't even know i don't even know how to explain it other than just like i almost in a way didn't like it because it, it was just so, so different, different, so yeah. different that I almost didn't like it. It wasn't until later that I watched it again that I came to appreciate it more. I mean, but yeah, Quentin Tarantino gets a start in the '90s with Reservoir Dogs. A, he acted in a couple things. I think it was like Golden Girls. He did. He, yeah, he did an Elvis impersonator. He played an Elvis impersonator in Golden Girls and made enough money off like revenue of that that he was able to, with like twenty grand, go out and make Reservoir Dogs nice otherwise you know he's we all know his story he's a struggling um writer if i guess if you will at the time struggling writer just a guy that has complete passion for movies just loves movies he's working at a movie store and wants to get wants to get a start and boom raises some money makes reservoir dogs goes to film festivals and just blows everybody away you know i can't remember who was talking about it in like the interview but how was whoever was talking about Reservoir Dogs was just like I think it was like Robert Redford was actually talking about it he's like because I, I didn't know that he was one of the people who started uh, Sundance yeah I just learned that like in the last couple of years I had no idea till like more recent that he started Sundance but, yeah because apparently like yeah like Robert Redford was like when I saw Reservoir Dogs I'm like oh my god like this is definitely written by some criminal who got out of prison and he just wrote his life story down and he's like and then to <laughs> <laughs> to hear that it was Quentin Tarantino, like just some kid who wrote this. It was just like, Jesus Christ. Some kid working at a video store. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, and he wrote, not only did he direct a couple just classics of the 90s, but also wrote uh, Natural Born Killers, which that is actually one I have not seen to this day. Same. And as a Tarantino fan, I owe myself to watch that movie. Uh, he also, he wrote True Romance while Tony Scott directed it great movie that i've seen a couple times now um but yeah jackie brown he didn't write it but he directed it which have you yeah you said that's the the only one you have not seen right that is still the one of his like his filmography that i've still yet to see i mean i'm late to the game on this still but yeah well as far as as early stuff but you know as i went to my 20s and i know matured i got into more movies like his and i went back and watched reservoir dogs pulp fiction jackie brown and just loved them and of course 
from then, I mean, from Kill Bill on, if it's a Tarantino film, I'm seeing it in theaters. And I remember, yeah, going to see Kill Bill once. I remember pretty much who I was with every single time I saw one of his movies in theaters. <laughs> I still think the only, I think the only Kill Bill movie, or okay, Tarantino movie, I guess I've seen Death Proof because we went to that double feature. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in theaters. So, but those are the only two I ever got to see in theaters. I didn't see Inglorious Bastards. I don't know how I didn't go see that. What about Hateful Eight? You were, yeah, you were with oh, us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Th- I'm sorry. Yeah. What, what am I talking about? Yeah, yeah you, I you, saw Lauren Hateful and I. And I saw Django Unchained. Yeah. I, okay, yeah, so I, 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 I remember you, Lauren, and I. We, I remember it was, uh, what was it, New Year's Day? We went to the first showing of uh, Hateful Eight. Yeah. All three of us, and I think it was just a couple of us in theaters because it was an early showing after you know everybody else was hung over from the night before. So it's just a couple people in the theater, and yeah, that was all awesome. of us just were just like in awe. Yeah, I loved that movie. I was a little scared. I remember going into Hateful Eight and people talking about like seeing reviews like, "Oh, I don't know. It's I don't really like that type of movie." Blah blah blah. I'm like, "Oh no!" And then I went in. I'm like, "Oh, because it's all dialogue and it's all in one room." I understand why that's not for some people, but that's what I love about Tarantino is his dialogue. Yeah, so oh, I was absolutely. all about it. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, so another director that got his start in the 90s, and he actually, uh, they, they met each other at the first Sundance of the Reservoir Dogs, so that was Robert Rodriguez. Yes. And we've all seen some great movies of his. From They didn't talk about him at all, if I recall. You know, I he don't had, really remember them talking about Robert Rodriguez, but actually a fun thing that I thought was pretty funny is so I told you over text uh, that child and I had been watching all of these scream movies. We watched one through four in the past couple weeks or so um, since it's October, but I'd never really seen them, but like the, after like the, like the first one's meta, but then like this, they just get more and more meta, like as the, uh, as the movies go along. But one of the things is they have an in-universe, like a movie within a movie called Stab, which is based on the original Scream, like current events in the world. Does that make sense? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> essentially, essentially, the tragedy of that happens in-universe in the original Scream with all those people getting murdered, they make a movie based off of a book that one of the characters wrote. Okay, okay. So kind of like how Quentin Tarantino does movies within movies. Kind of like that. So it gets meta in that sense, but all of the Stab movies in universe are written by, or said, directed by Robert Rodriguez. Okay. That's you know, funny. Which I thought was funny because it was Dimension Films who made the original Scream. Okay, so, I didn't know that. I, yeah, I still so have never in, seen these movies. I'm not really big in the horror genre, but I appreciate them still. Yes, I've I, not I think seen, he's like the first one. I, need a, I do, would like to watch the first one. I mean, you got Drew Barrymore in that one. I like her. Yeah. Oh, that was another. Uh, speaking of comedies that we kind of glossed over, Adam Sandler, huge in the '90s, I and mean, that's what his movies were good. You had Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore. Um, Don't the ever seen the singer. Wedding Singer. You've never seen that? Nope. Oh, you gotta see the Wedding Singer. It's so good. It's it's a good fun movie. Him and Drew Barrymore, great together. And they got I think Big Daddy was still '90s technically. I think. It might have been 2000, 2001, but The Water Boy. So he had one good hit after another for a while. 
1999 was Big Daddy. Okay, it was all downhill after Little Nicky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but he still gets that. He still gets money. I mean, he's got that contract with Netflix to just make movies. Oh, he's he's a money making machine. Yeah. Whether you like his movies or not, he is a money making machine, which I I give props to that. <laughs> yeah, like they may not be good, but he knows how to make them. He has his own production company. Like, he just makes money on top of money. I mean, shit, this month, a new Adam Sandler movie came out on ha- er, on Netflix. It's called Hubie Halloween. Like, he had some weird Halloween movie come out this month. Maybe we should watch and review it. <laughs> I don't know. Kind of too late for the Halloween season. But anyway, I don't know. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say, though? Um... Well, at least, at least he had his uh, comeback as far as, like, years later with Uncut Gems last year. Still love that movie. Yeah. I've seen that probably three or four times now, and I, I love it. Well, Adam Sandler's kind of like a trash figure. Like, when he – like, he did a lot of comedies. People are like, your comedies are bad. And then he comes out and, like, does some really good, like, character acting, like, with – what was it? Well, before, like, Uncut Gems, like, I think – Spanglish was one, but also that one where he plays like Punch Drunk Love. A... What? Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love is another one. Which that's an Anderson movie, right? I'm not sure. But I'm trying to think of the here. one that I'm thinking of. Spanglish days. It's the one where he's like has PTSD. Or is like li- like living on the streets and it has Don Cheadle in it. Wait, Paul Thomas Anderson, director of Punch Drunk Love. Uh, that I don't know what movie that is. Crap, I cannot remember, and I don't see it on here. But I'm mean, like, it's one of those like Adam Sandler like started doing serious movies, and he's really good in serious roles. But then people just decided, no, we don't want this. The Cobbler. And so he's no. just like, all right, well then I'll just make shitty fucking comedies. Like, he can do really good acting when he needs to slash wants to. Yeah. Obviously, with Uncut Gems, finally gets a do where people are like, holy shit, this is really good. Uh, I forgot about Bulletproof was uh, one of his movies uh, in the 90s with uh, one of the Wayne's brothers. Oh, the movie I'm thinking of is called Rain Over Me. Okay, I've heard of it, but never seen it. I saw it. It was pretty good. I also heard he was really good in that uh, movie about comedians. I'm trying to... It's Funny People, I think it's called. Funny Funny People. People, yeah. I heard he was really good in that. But, yeah, all right, so 1990s, I mean, again, for, for me, it's the era of comedy. I mean, that's just what I love, especially in junior high, high school. You just want to laugh, whether it's, yeah. You didn't you're... even mention American Pie. No, there was no mention of American Pie. But, yeah, I was going to say, whether it's just a goofy comedy like a Jim Carrey or Adam Sandler movie or Chris Farley movie or, you know, a, a, you know sex comedy of the 90s like American Pie or varsity blues that was another one that was a all-time favorite of mine in high school um yeah comedies were kind of where it's at i got into dramas more later and then i've gone back and of course watched a lot of dramas from the 90s as time goes on which is probably why i've missed a lot of things too like heat over the years because i just you know at the time didn't care i mean it's one of the things you were a teenager in the 90s so you're watching comedies and like a little bit more edgier stuff you know it just depends like i guess since I was a child in the 90s, my 90s was made up of Disney animation. Yeah. You know, it just depends on what age. And you had two amazing Toy Story movies. So let's talk, I guess, Pixar briefly. So we talked about Toy Story 1. 
you and Kylie watch that all the time. I'd stop in mm-hmm. and watch that. I mean, I just love the first Toy Story so much. I mean, it could have been aimed at just kids, but no, that was a great movie for adults, everybody. Just anybody of any age can appreciate that movie. It laid the groundwork for, you know, complete CGI animated movies. You know, your right. Madagascars, your How to Train Your Dragon, Shrek. How to Train Your Dragon. All started with Toy Story. Oh, all right. Sorry, sorry. You weren't, sorry. You weren't talking about specifically Pixar. No. And fucking love How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, but I'm just mean it laid the groundwork for everything to come after. Hey, but then again, if it wasn't Disney executives trying to screw over Katzenberg, we wouldn't have gotten Shrek and How to Train Your Dragon. Mm-hmm. Because he left because he was pissed off and he made DreamWorks. Which I really need to uh, go back and watch the Shrek movies. It's been a long time since I've seen those. Uh, we'll probably get into those next week with the 2000s. Probably. But I mean, even like, I was amazed how much the animation jumped from 1995 to 1999 with Toy Story 2. Even between, uh, even the in-betweener Bugs Life, which is one of my favorite Pixar films, yet the forgotten Pixar film. Nobody talks about a Bugs Life ever anymore. And it's still so good. I watched that. Yeah. I mean, like, especially when you quick shot, like when you shotgun all of the Toy Story movies, it's like. From one to two, it looks good, but from two to three, it's just insane. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, that's how a much better the third one looks. But even one to two in that four years, they upped it so much. The faces that... look a lot. The, the thing that you notice more about Toy Story 1, Toy Story 2, like Fidelity gets a little better. Like everything looks a little better, but the people, like the faces of people, look a lot better. Yeah. And I don't need humans to look like real humans. I just need them to look. Not nightmarish. Not nightmarish, yeah. I mean, you go back to the, the baby in that uh, tin toy short. <laughs> that thing was creepy AF. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, but but Bugs Life, though, nobody talks about it anymore. And I mean, that had one of my favorite all-time scores ever, too. I love the score to that. Uh, the Flix machine theme is great. Uh, just yeah. the overall um, theme of the movie, good. Uh, but, but yeah, I don't know. The, one of the best shorts in front of it was the old man playing chess against himself. Yes, hilarious. <laughs> Which I remember see, going to theaters and seeing that, and seeing that beforehand, and being like, "What's going on here? Why, 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 why what is this? <laughs> yeah, why are we watching this before the other movie? I'm here for a bug's tale. <laughs> exactly. Uh, any other? See, I'm trying to think some other favorites. I mean, of course, in the you have. I'm trying to think of childhood favorites from the 90s. You've got the Mighty Duck movies. Love those when I was a kid. You've got The Sandlot, which is still to this day one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, they didn't mention Sandlot. No mention That's of Sandlot. like one of the most iconic 90s movies. And Jordan, I don't know if you know, but I think every, all the Mighty Ducks movies are on Disney+. Plus, So you can watch them. Oh, yeah. No, I'd like to go back and watch those, especially after seeing Estevez and Breakfast Club last week. Be kind of fun to go yeah. watch and play Gordon Bombay. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, what I don't know. Try to think here. Some other James Cameron is one that emerged. In, you know, he started in the '80s and got huge in the '90s. I mean, you've got well, for crying out loud, you have uh, Terminator Two, one of the right. all-time greats. Yeah, I mean Terminator Two, and then obviously Titanic. Which 
I mean, could you? I couldn't even imagine being somebody, you know, because I mean, CGI was start starting to emerge in the '80s, but got even better in the '90s, and then you've got something in 1991 called Terminator 2 coming. Out. And have you ever seen the teaser trailer for that one? Yeah, you've showed me for have, sure. Have I shown you? Because I was gonna play oh, yeah. it for you. You know which one I'm talking but... about. Yeah. Imagine sitting in the theaters in 1990 and seeing this. No internet around to tell you what's coming out in the year next summer. All of a sudden, you see this. It's so cool. I mean, like, cool teams of trailer two for Terminator. It's like, oh yeah, you're just gonna see an assembly line for uh, Terminator bot robots. You know, T1000. I mean, because you're like, holy shit, it's a Terminator. Like, what, what's going on? Are they making another one? What's, what, what, what is this? Oh, yeah, they just press the skin on it. And then they press out Arnold Schwarzenegger. That is a specimen of a man. <laughs> especially that t2 terminator 2 judgment day that's fucking badass i, I would have peed my pants if i'm sitting there in the theater in 1990 a year in advance and saw that the i, I would have peed my pants <laughs> yeah but yeah terminator 2 comes out and nobody's seen anything like it before i mean it was cutting edge Still, and the CGI still looks pretty good because it's they keep it, it to does. a minimum. That's the thing. When you keep it to a minimum and you can put all your effort into that minimum, then it holds up over time. I mean, another great example, Jurassic Park. Yeah. I know. I was very surprised the last time I watched Jurassic Park. I'm like, this actually still looks really good. A lot of good practical effects mixed with some nice CGI. Uh, so... One thing, one thing I was glad they touched on that you know we kind of touched on last year with the twenty-year anniversary of a lot of movies was the year nineteen ninety-nine and how many great hits were out, came out of that year. Yeah, all of the hits. Batman. There's no Batman in nineteen ninety-nine. What? Yeah, Batman Realm was ninety-seven. And then nothing till 2005. Unless you're talking about Sub-Zero or something. Uh, Batman Beyond came out in 1999, so Vindicated. Yeah, which is still one of my favorite cartoons. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Great. At least that first season. That first season, is they keep it tight. It's only 12 episodes. I recently rewatched it not too long ago. Did you? Yeah. Oh, First awesome. season's tight. The second season gets more into like, oh, we put 26 episodes, so there's more, a lot more filler. Okay. But there's still a lot of good stuff in there. Nice. So it holds up pretty well. But 1999, what a year for movies, though. You had some of my all-time favorites, American Beauty, which is one of my probably top 10 favorite movies, which, again, they glossed right over that movie. And I was so upset that they didn't pull that aside and talk about it. We talked about all the other big ones, and I mean... They talk about 1999 specifically for a while, but they don't talk what won Best Picture. Right. But yeah, American Beauty, Fight Club, Election Day, or uh, just Election. With, yeah, uh, Reese Witherspoon, which is, that's become one of my new favorites. <laughs> Love that one. You had, of course, American Pie that year. Um, 
Boys Don't Cry came out that year. They touched on that a little bit with Hilary yeah. Swank. Well, Magnolia, too. Paul Thomas Anderson movie, Magnolia. Good stuff. Uh, gosh, yeah. But what what a year for movies. Was that when Rushmore came out, too? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, what a year for movies. And just to end the whole decade in the millennium, I guess, just boom. <laughs> Throw out all these cool movies. Oh, The Matrix that year, which was yeah. cutting. I remember going and seeing that with friends, and that was just cutting edge at the time. Never seen anything like it. And we were just like, holy fuck, this is the greatest movie ever. Plus, you were a teenager, so double whammy. Yeah, cutting eight CGI with a teen sensibility, with like Rob Zombie and like fucking ends with the movie ends with <laughs> Rage Against the Machine. What, Rage Against the Machines, yeah. Wake up. Yeah. Which, oh, good, good stuff. I mean, yeah, of course, we had seen Keanu Reeves do action a little bit before with like speed, but it wasn't until 1999. And yeah, we were like blown away. Yeah. All right. What else do you want to talk about? Well, I think we should talk about the movie Fargo. Yeah, we'll get talk some Fargo. So this is only the uh, second time you've seen a. Coen brother movie other than you know Buster i actually Scrubs? found out that that is not the case because i forgot they did ballad of buster scruggs because i watched that yeah you watched those so let's see as far as what i've seen from the Coen brothers i now i've seen fargo i saw the big lebowski when i was 16 and i'm way overdue to actually get something from that movie oh yeah you must watch it again you uh, it'll be a different movie this time around I know it will, but other than that, like Fargo, The Big Lebowski, and then it really just goes down to, yeah, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Well, Daniel's got you know, some like I've never there. seen, like, I mean, like, yeah, I'm seeing all these, like, I've always wanted to see Hail Caesar. I thought that looked a lot of fun. That but... one was fun. That one was good in bits. The As a whole, it was kind of, hmm, but in bits, it was good. But, like, I guess No Country for Old Men is probably one of the biggest ones that I'm like, I really need to see. That was one I really need to see. That's one everybody's like, what? You never saw that movie? I'm like, no. But, yeah, Fargo. Yeah. So, Fargo was my number one, spoiler alert, on our episode of 10, 10 movies we're ashamed to say we've never seen. That was my number one was Fargo. And, yeah, it is, uh, it's about t- damn time I saw it. Same, yeah, because that was the one of the things I was talking to Shal about. She's like, I've seen it. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm kind of excited to see it, but also kind of weary because it's a lot of people describe it as like the perfect movie. You know, like whether I agree with that or not, like it's debatable. Like it's hard. I don't like I was thinking about that. Like what defines a perfect movie? Because it's so subjective. It really just depends from person to person. Back to the future. You know, it even depends on what mood you're in that day if you enjoy a movie or not. But, like, as far as I can say, like, I don't know if it's a perfect movie, but I did really enjoy the movie. I thought it was really good. And it was very, like, dramatic, but also, like, it wasn't very, like, it wasn't dry drama. Like, it was very interesting. Not necessarily intense, though. At Some points were, but some points weren't. It was a little different than I thought. I, I don't know. Like, so this And a is lot a more movie, levity than you would think. This is a movie that's been talked up over the years. I mean, just talked up as one of the greats. And while I did enjoy it and think it was good, um, I don't know. I had, a, I guess I had, a, maybe I need to watch it again. I actually watched parts of it earlier today. Like I watched the beginning 
for like the first 15 minutes over again today and then the ending a little bit just to kind of soak up soak a little bit more of it in and i i think i thought it was a really good movie so i'm gonna let you in on a little secret here <laughs> i don't know what happened i don't know if i was just like too into my pizza at the beginning of the movie and stuff like that i don't you know what happened but what's that you fell asleep i didn't fall asleep at all but somehow i'm missing the you know when uh william h macy's character was jerry when Jerry's talking to uh, Carl in what, Career, you know, Steve Buscemi's character and his yeah. accomplice, um, I missed the part where William H. Macy's Jerry was in on the kidnapping of his wife. How did you miss that? I don't know. Somehow that I missed... That is literally the driving plot of the movie. <laughs> well, I missed I miss that he was involved in it. I thought somehow in their car deal or something he screwed them over so that so they were like all right well let's kidnap his wife until we get a ransom of what what's deserved to us so i'm in a in a way watching a completely different movie so when he's not overreacting to the kidnapping of his own wife i'm like what the fuck is this guy's deal like is he like zero great testosterone and just nothing going through his blood system like his wife has been kidnapped shouldn't he be a little more pissed off about this yeah yeah i could see how that would be very confusing and also i still can't believe that you didn't you didn't know somehow glossed right over that in the beginning conversation with when they're at the bar and you know i I just thought they were pissed at him some he screwed him over car wise or something so they're like all right well let's uh let's kidnap his wife to teach him a lesson and we'll hold her for ransom (laughs) so when he's all like don't call the cops i'm like well why don't you want to call the cops they got your wife i mean i get you think if they get involved they might shoot her and you want to prevent that from happening. So I, I, I guess. <laughs> so I'm just watching him like, man, he is not reacting the way I would react if my wife was kidnapped. Right. <laughs> I know. It's just, I could see that would be very confusing. And you would be watching a completely different movie. I was. <laughs> Jesus, Gordon. Jesus. That's like literally the whole first scene. <laughs> I know. So I was watching a, a couple of videos on YouTube today about it. And that's when I really, wait, wait, what? Wait, he's it. He was in on it. Oh my God. That makes so much sense now. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing is he needs to borrow money from his rich, like father-in-law so we can invest in like a parking lot or a, some like real estate deal to make a ton of money. And that's why he needs him to well, pay it, was the like a, it was like a plan a slash b kind of depending on he'd kind of flip him as far as borrowing money or just uh this kidnapping of his wife and them paying a ransom for her to get her back well he says that he's like i, I can't ask because they won't even give it to me even if i ask so there's no point and then lo and behold later in the movie his you know his father-in-law was just like hey this is like a pretty sweet deal here come by we'll check out the numbers and then we'll talk about it you know yeah so I'm like, hey, and they offered him a finder's fee. I'm like, shit, dude, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, overall, yeah, especially, the... go ahead. I was just saying, like, that's one of the things that I'm just like, dude, what the fuck's your problem? Like, you seem to be doing, okay, you're the executive sales manager of an entire dealership. You can't be making, like, too bad of money. You well, know? Was, the, was the parking lot thing he wanted was that a, to buy his own car lot was he trying to break away from his father-in-law and i'm have not his entirely own car sure lot? like may, i i think so that's the impression i was under is he wanted to open his own car lot 
Yeah. So, yeah. But I'm just like, but you can't be making that shit of money. And then you bring this. I get that you want it to be yours. But if you're not going to a bank, you're getting it. They're fronting all the money. And you're taking zero risk. Like, of course, they'll only give you. Like, they offered you a finder's fee. Your father-in-law must be a pretty decent guy to at least give you that. Because he could have just stolen it from you. And just fucking gone around your back and did it without you. Right. They were like, yeah, what's your finder's fee? Like, dude, so I'm just like, that's one thing. I'm like, dude, what's your fucking problem? I, I got to say, I love the meeting between uh, the father-in-law and the business guy. And afterwards, just, I, the, well, that was probably one of my favorite parts. Uh, so, you know, he, he has that business meeting and they're kind of like, what do you think you are, a bank? Or what do you think we are, a bank? And meeting ends, doesn't go his way. You see that final shot of him feeling defeated. And then we go to that great exterior shot from above with the snow and like the dead plants and his car and it's just like a yeah. still shot for a little bit and then all of a sudden you see him walk into his car that was roger deacon shit right there that's the guy that uh same cinematographer that did blade runner 2049 yeah that he was the cinematographer on this which i gotta say this was a beautifully shot movie there were so many great shots in this movie but that one oh, in yeah. particular was just so amazing he's defeated he's walking along to his car and he again it i kind of got the impression we're kind of watching from his uh father-in-law's office from up above just looking down upon him look yeah as he goes defeated to his car and a great scene on you know he gets in and frost and ice all over the windows he's got to scrape it and just everything that happens is just getting frustrated and he just feels so defeated just gotta rage it out yeah i mean thought that was great and that okay one thing that this movie reminds me of and every once in a while a movie reminds me of this is how much i love watching steve buscemi in a movie yes like, i never think about it but whenever he shows up like in reservoir dogs mr pink's fucking great in this movie i didn't know he was in this movie oh okay you know i knew like uh william h macy and crap i always forget francis her name yeah, but yeah, the uh, the police officer. Yep, from Three Billboards. Yeah, so I always like I knew she was in it, and I knew William H Macy was in it. But any other character that showed up, I'm like, oh okay. But like his accomplice, he I forget that guy's name too, but he's always in just a ton of stuff. But Steve Buscemi, like especially yeah, didn't his accomplice look like a um, bleached haired Robert De Niro? I, that probably was what they were going for. At, at first, at first glance, I had to like, wait, that's, is that De Niro? No, I guess not. But yeah, first glance, like, wait. Well, I don't know about that because I recognized him right away because he's just in so many different things. Okay. But Steve Buscemi in this movie was fucking great. Like, he really brought a levity to a lot of scenes. Like, it's funny. Like, he's the bad guy, but he's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's doing all this fucked up shit, but I'm still, it's still making me laugh. And. But, like, I don't know. Like, I, I liked him when he's just, like, talking to, like, the hookers and stuff. Like, especially when, like, he was in, like, Minneapolis or, like, in the big city at, like, some music venue club with a hooker. And they're just having weird, awkward small talks. Like, oh, do, do you like the work? She's like, how long, you been, how long have you been doing this work? <laughs> yeah, she's like, I just like, like, do you like the work you do? She's like, 
what are you fucking kidding me those hookers were hilarious too when uh francis mcdormand's character is talking to them in the bar yes i wrote that down as one of my favorite exchanges because it's like i don't know i just finally like it oh i went to college but then i dropped out yeah she dropped out this just sounds so airheady it's hilarious yeah like, uh, yeah yeah uh, i mean like one of my favorite like exchanges was when Steve Shammy, like, he drives into the parking lot at an airport, steals some guy's plates, mm-hmm. then drives out. He's like, I decided I'm not going to park here. I don't want to park here. And it's like, what do you mean? He's like, uh, I, I just don't want to park here anymore. It's like, what? He's like, my, my flight got canceled last minute, so I'm, I'm not going to park here. He's like, okay, well, I still got to charge you the $4. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? I just pulled in. <laughs> well it's non-negotiable i have to you have to pay the four dollars he's like he's like are you fucking you you feel good you feel fucking like a you have some authority in your fucking uniform just tears that guy and new one throws four dollars at him <laughs> cars honking behind him <laughs> dude that cracked me up that was that was so a great much. scene the shimmy was so great in this movie and I, yeah kind of think of it i don't know if i've seen him in play a better character other than the, of course, the uh, homeless guy in Big Daddy. Oh yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. No, he, he was so he was so good in this movie, and I mean that whole scene too, where everything just starting with the cop goes downhill when they start just they're killing rampage essentially, uh, yeah. just one person after another because you got the cop that comes gets shot, then you got the eyewitnesses and how they how that how his partner goes after them. Oh my god, just. And it's just so intense like yeah just fucking wheels out of there then they disappear i'm like what happened and he's kind of like what happens and you see like the car just like and like the franticness of it they wrecked the car and he shoots the guy running away and then he just like opens the door and there's just some girl in there and she sh- he shoots her like twice and just and that's it like it's just yeah. your unlucky day which how bad would that suck all you did was drive by happen to see something and you just keep going and then yeah your life's over five minutes later less than five minutes later exactly which okay that's one of the things i really loved about this is like the way this movie shot it just feels like a day in the life of the cop that we follow essentially like when it's when she's just doing her police work like it just feels like a very matter of fact like oh gee yeah which i'm surprised it wasn't like one of those movies just like what do you mean there was a triple homicide in our small town? Are you kidding me? Like it wasn't like a huge shakeup, you know, which what I thought was what was going to happen. She's like, Oh, how many three? Whoa, geez. Which I wrote down so much geez. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of that. Now, I, th- I thought she accent, was great. She won an Oscar me. for this film. And yeah, I, I thought she was really good. Frances McDormand. Uh, yeah. I, I, I did love her character so and much. I do love Frances McDormand. She's in so many good movies. I mean, almost famous. I mean, she's another Coen brother semi regular too. Yeah. Three billboards. It's just, she's great in everything that I've ever seen her in. And it's so great that she gets work consistently too. Yeah. No, I think I love her. Uh, but yeah, her, her character was fun. I, I liked watching her just kind of uncover things a little bit. Um, I also loved, I'm going to mention this before I forget, but I also loved so just like, the, like, it's not a main part of the story, but they always revisit it throughout the movie is her relationship with her husband just seems so nice and just like so homey, you know, it's just like, 
oh, well, you're going to work? I'll make you some eggs. No, you can go back to sleep. No, no, no. I'll make you some eggs, you know. Which, then, good, you know, good husband. I think I'd been like, it's five in the morning. I'm going back to bed. Yeah, exactly. Be like, no, no, I'll make you some eggs. And then, like, after all that, and I also remember, like, when she got ready, I'm like, why is she, her shirt untucked? Like, you're a police officer. Shouldn't, I know it's a small town, but shouldn't you tuck in your shirt? And then she's like, oh, I'm pregnant. I'm like, oh, that's why. That, I like their like, relationship yeah, a like, lot. Their relationship was really good. Yeah, I just like that. She's like, oh, I'm going to buy him some night crawlers to say thank you. Brings her Arby's for lunch. You know, just like some small town stuff, but it just seemed so nice. Yeah, no, it really did. And it, and it even comes together at the end about like, yeah, I sold my paint or my painting. I'm, it's going to be on the three set stamp. Oh, that's great. Yeah, but the guy I don't like, he he's on like the 29 cent stamp. <laughs> So Which, I, I, I like I, I like what she says about that real quick here is uh she talks about how well that's still an important stamp because when the price goes up, you know, they're gonna be using yours. Kind of like the twenty-nine cent stamp will be around for uh, just a fraction of a period of time, whereas yours will live on, is kind of what she's saying. Yeah, I know like it's so much it's so nice to I just really like their relationship. I thought it was like something that didn't need to be there. Like if you saw the husband in the beginning and then maybe the end like sure but they keep them like they bring them back in a few different scenes throughout the movie he could easily really he yeah because he could have easily just been in that opening scene with her when she gets the phone call and then that's it like, yeah now you don't need to make the records okay well i'm going back to bed and then just we never see him again but it just adds to the whole atmosphere of the movie which i don't like I said i don't know if this is a perfect movie but this the atmosphere of this movie is great oh it's a perfect movie. it's got a lot more levity than you would think for all the murders that happen but you know like it's also got it's not like it doesn't take itself super serious like it could be like a grizzled cop drama through and through if it really wanted to but it doesn't go that route yeah which no, i just really like about it i like i, I need to go i want to go watch it again it's gonna be a totally different movie now that i know that he's involved in because I, I i did go back and rewatch the opening like 15 minutes and i watched the the conversation more carefully and got that he was involved in the kidnapping of his wife because imagine this though not knowing he was he when you don't when you watch it not knowing that he is involved in the kidnapping of his wife you're just like man he really just not taking this too like too serious like his wife has been kidnapped and he's just not freaking out at all i just imagine you're just like is he just underacting or or what <laughs> i just thought his character is just a straight up well asshole which is, he is he is but yeah, he's just a, like, well, I need money. So what do you do? I'm gonna, fake, <laughs> I'm gonna fake traumatize my wife, which is real trauma for her. Like, wow, what an asshole. You're not even going. gonna ask because he asked his father-in-law and he said yes. He just didn't get the deal that he wanted, but still. Like, come on. Yeah. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. But talk about uh, what a great performance though from William, William H Macy though I mean I thought he was brilliant in that role. Oh yeah, I think everybody just fits in perfectly. Like I love all the Smotown folks. Like I'm not gonna. One of my favorites like interactions was between two side characters, which is like uh, just some random police police officer goes and talks to like the guy who's like sweeping his driveway. And the way he's talking to him, like, oh, yeah, some weird-looking fella. Like, how How do you mean? I don't know. Just all around weird. You know, that little Steve interaction machine. where he's like, he's calling me a jerk, but he didn't say jerk, you know. And 
oh yeah yeah oh geez you know just that little conversation oh, i'm like i love every second of what's happening right, now. right. You know, so that's what I, that's I, I gotta say, yeah, no, dialogue-wise, no dialogue uh, went unwasted either. I mean, everything had a purpose. Yeah, and, like, all these little things that, you know, don't need to be in a movie, like her seeing that, like, random person that used to live in the town, you know, when she was in, like, the big city. Like, you don't need those scenes, but it really just completes, like, oh, it feels more like, you know, this case is not the only thing going on. Like yeah. people have lives, people have more complex than like a one track mind. Like there's a lot of different things going on constantly. One one thing I like to makes it more real. Yeah, no, totally. One thing one thing I like to far as like attention to detail goes is uh, you know we see that uh, was it Paul Bundy statue a couple times. Yeah, right. The lumberjack. Well, it's Paul uh, Bunyan. Or Paul Bunyan. Sorry. So we see the Paul Bunyan statue a couple times and at the end you know when she captures him she's in the back of the police car they're driving she's talking to him he looks out the window he sees the paul bunyan statue and you kind of see this thing in his eyes like oh god this is where it all started on this road right here everything because you know with the killing of the cop and just everything downhill from there that point on which yeah oh man i'm trying to think sorry we're kind of all over the place here i apologize audience but uh one scene that i loved was the uh rooftop meeting between steve shima's character and the father and when he that brings is one the i wrote dollars. down because that's like the iconic like one of the most iconic shots slash scenes like as soon as it came up i'm like oh shit this is it you know because i haven't even seen the movie but i've seen that shot and i did see like i've seen clips of like the wood chipper scene yeah like i knew i knew that was at the end but it's still like watching it as a whole is just like super effective but yeah, that that beautiful scene of just like the top of the parking garage, his car parks, father pulls up, and I like how he's like rehearsing, like, yeah, fuck you, dude. Like, here's your money. Where's my daughter? Yeah. You know? And then it just blows up in this whole thing. Then he just shoots him. Then he gets shot. Then he just fucking ends the father-in-law. And then he fucking also shoots the clerk. Yeah, I, I, that was a surprise test. I thought maybe like, he'll pull a gun out and like kind of intimidate him with it but i never thought he'd just shoot him yeah yeah. i wasn't expecting that but also part of me wasn't expecting that because like oh yeah he'll just scan his ticket then it'll open i'm like right this is before that was automated and there was just some dude in the booth yeah (laughs) you know instead of like here's my parking ticket scan it door opens but poor again some poor bastard doing his poor bastard job yeah it's shot it's shot by this just psycho oh yeah. gosh a great scene uh i'm trying to find to the characters who's the character's name the guy that works in the shop oh it's kind of a weird name i'll look it up but go ahead uh let's see uh sheb shep shep right yeah shep shep uh is when he arrives so <laughs> You got the scene with uh, Steve Shimmy and the hooker in the bar, then cut to them doing it. All of a sudden, she gets just thrown off of him. <laughs> okay, and he just kicks the shit out of him. I love that scene, Starts too. He's like, fuck the sh- you, dude. You're so fucking stupid. Like, kicking the shit out of him, like, all pissed off. Grabs like, I don't want to go back to jail. Somebody like that police officer threatened his parole. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, what the fuck? That was like, yeah, I thought that was a great scene yeah 
<laughs> and then yeah, uh, I I was actually so were you surprised to find out that they that uh, they killed his wife, or at least the one guy killed his wife. Yeah, like I was a little bit surprised. Like, well, yeah, I mean I was surprised because the whole plan, at least from Steve, well, there's a whole like a lot of different facets going on. But like Steve Buscemi's like, yeah, like we're just gonna kidnap, fake kidnap. I always got the impression that he was like, yeah, once we get paid, we just send her back and then we disappear, you know? But the fact that that guy just kind of turns to, I mean, he kills everybody. Ex- well, except for Steve Buscemi kills two people, but he kills everybody else, mm-hmm. including Steve Buscemi. <laughs> but no, I wasn't expecting him to just like murder the wife. No, yeah, I wasn't either. And yeah, when you see him come out out of the door with the axe, I'm like, oh shit! It's like this guy's pissed. I know. At that point, I'm like, I would have just fucking killed him too, you know? Bashemi, or if you're Bashemi, you would have killed him. If I was Bashemi, I'm like, dude, this guy's a fucking psycho. Like, I would have just killed him. Well, he's making it worse, like nonstop, just making it worse. Killing the cop, killing the two witnesses, killing the uh, the wife. Yeah. I think at this point, because you know, he got the million. The deal was 80, so it takes 80 out of the million and hides the rest of the 920. And yeah. I was going to go give him his half. I Yeah, I almost think at this point, if I was Buscemi, I would have just killed him. Which, that was one thing that I thought was really funny when he's like, because I didn't realize, I'm like, wait, I thought you were only doing it for 40 grand. But then I'm like, oh, he's just trying to screw the other guy out of a shit ton of money. So he takes it, I like how he takes the 80 grand, then he goes to bury the briefcase. And when he's burying along the fence line, I'm just like, there's no fucking way you're going to be able to find that again. And then after yeah. he's done burying, he kind of looks both ways. He's like, thinks to himself, there's no fucking way I'm going to find this again. <laughs> so he just like puts like the, uh, the ice scraper as like a marker. Cause I'm like, yeah, you would have to, there's no fucking way. Someone's going to find that someday and they're going to have a Merry Christmas. I mean, the snow's going to melt eventually. Eventually. <laughs> yeah. Imagine just be walking along and like, huh, what's this case? Oh, shit. All right, that's yeah. a lot of money. But I mean, like, yeah, overall, I really, really liked the movie. I don't know if it's a perfect movie. I don't really know what a perfect movie is. Back like, to again, the future. It's just, it just varies from person to person, you know? Risky business. Like, you say Back to the Future, but then people are like, well, there's so many plot holes. It's like, yeah, but it's a perfect movie oh, to you. Like, it's just, you know, it's so subjective, but overall, really good movie, unsurprisingly people say it's a perfect movie it should at least be really good and it was yeah no i I enjoyed it quite a bit i look forward to watching it again going back and realizing he was a he was a involved in the uh kidnapping of his own wife i mean it just kind of replayed the movie quickly in my head and realized okay and saw it as a different movie altogether without watching it all from the beginning to end again but uh yeah yeah great movie great performances especially by the three leads i mean they were just amazing i thought but yeah everybody was great in this movie i can only imagine the type of weird conversation we would have had had you believed that he was not in on the (laughs) kidnapping it's like yeah it's just really weird that william h macy's character just didn't even care like he was involved like what are you talking about he wasn't involved what no like i would have definitely known that i'm like yeah because it happened in the first five minutes yeah i totally would have seen that (laughs) again i i I don't know, I didn't start until 11, maybe because it was late. Again, I had food at the beginning. Maybe I was too involved in that. I don't know how I missed that in the conversation. <laughs> I just thought it was just a car deal that they were trying to do. Nope. But yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. But yeah, 
Fargo. Now I'm curious what the what is the TV show about? Just takes different things that take place in the same town. See, now I'm more interested to watch the TV show because I hear the TV show is really good. I've heard, yeah, I've heard positive things. I think the Coen brothers are a little bit involved in that. Maybe as producers. I but I mean, it still goes. I mean, it's still going on. I think the new season just came out. Oh wow, that's been three or four seasons now. I think. I think they're on four, maybe okay. five. Wow. But they at least have four seasons. So I'm like more interested. I'm like maybe I can check this out now because I would have now that I've seen the movie. I'm like I'm more interested because I. If the if the TV show has a similar feel to the movie, then I would definitely be interested. Yeah, no, see same. how they modernize it a little bit too. Yeah, or if it still cool. takes takes place in the eighties, I don't know. All right, well, let's wrap Fargo up here. Any last thoughts on Fargo? I, I, I mean, not really. I kind of said everything. Went through all the scenes. Talked about all my favorite really scenes. Enjoyed. I mean, wood chipper stuff was crazy. <laughs> and honestly, Francis McDormand, love her in everything that I see her in. Mm-hmm serious or comedic yeah she's good i still have never but, seen the uh, coen brothers burn after reading she's in that too with brad pitt uh, i've never seen that either i would like to watch that but yeah good stuff though uh, as far as the 1990s go i mean great decade um yeah we never we didn't touch on titanic at all but daniel's never seen it let me talk about it a little bit but it's, yeah skyrocketed DiCaprio into fame and you know he's done great movies since but I mean part of it is just he worked with awesome directors too I mean he's done great Scorsese films in the 2000s you know with Gangs in New York Aviator uh, uh, Shutter Island yeah obviously Wolf of Wall Street Wolf of Wall Street yeah just great movies that he's been in but yeah I mean he, he did stuff since childhood all the way up until titanic but titanic is what just was skyrocketed him into fame yep at the time i didn't like him because i was like yeah pretty boy yeah all the the girls like you just wish you were a pretty boy exactly no i was hella jealous of him at the time i was like this guy sucks i hate you're like i have so much acne fuck you yeah exactly no that's exactly it uh, in junior high i was when this movie came out i was in junior high i was the kid from the simpsons Oh, that, that'll be 349 yeah <laughs> oh you poor bastard yeah <laughs> uh but come to yeah actually the movie that really sold me with him was catch me if you can in the early 2000s when i saw that with him i was like okay i like this guy he's awesome now and yeah, now I he's, do love that movie. he's probably my number one favorite actor now i love dicaprio and again he just he chooses great movies i mean inception another great one but of course last year's once upon a time in hollywood freaking amazing in that you still yeah. need to see the revenant he he is great in that too but finally got, him, that's his one that got him the oscar yep but yeah started in 1997 with titanic which i'm overdue to watch i think last time i saw that was in like 2013 when they re-released that in 3d which i gotta say the 3d for that didn't really do anything to push the story forward but there was like cool exterior shots of the ship that looked good in 3d but Main reason I went and saw that in 3D was just to go see it on the big screen again. Yeah. Because again, 3D didn't really do nothing to push the story forward, but man, was it cool to watch that movie on the big screen again. I'd love if a theater played that again. Oh, so two other movies I watched this last week that I didn't talk about. I'll briefly talk about them and so we can wrap this up. Was Groundhog Day. Great comedy with Bill Murray. Hadn't I mean, we brushed past that, but I fucking love that movie. Yeah. That was a fun... I hadn't watched it in years, and there's so much I had forgotten about. But yeah, great movie. And Thelma Louise. I sat down and watched that. 
that's one of my favorites that over the last few years because I, I think I watched that, that one in my twenties or early twenties and I liked it a lot. But recently, I've watched it more in the last couple of years, and it is a good movie. I need to watch that. You got to see it. Great score by Hans Zimmer. Like I love the theme to that movie so much. Uh, but yeah, it, great performance though by Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis. They are great together. Uh, but yeah, you got to see that movie. It, it, I mean, Gina so Davis good. also good in uh, Beetlejuice. Uh, yeah, and Stuart Little in the late nineties. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> Which that's probably one of your favorite 90s movies when you were a kid. Oh, and they talked about League of Their Own, which is also Gina Davis. That was a good one. Yes. Uh, I kind I've of forgot about that, that movie one. once, but it wasn't when I was a kid. So I definitely need to rewatch that movie. Yeah, I saw it like five years ago or something for the first time. I've only seen it once myself, but it, it's a really fun movie. Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, Madonna. But yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a fun one. But, uh, oh, well, yeah, I guess, I guess one thing we didn't talk about that we'll touch on briefly was the 90s were also the rise of like low budget uh, um, indie films. And that's when you had the start of Candace Film Festival and everything like that to expose right. all these talented young directors like Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, Kevin Smith. That was another guy we kind of, we didn't talk about him much, but Kevin Smith with Clerks and Mall Rats. Classics. Yeah. Especially Clerks. Love that movie. I know. It was a good movie. But yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up here for the 1990s and Fargo. Any last words, Daniel? No, I said them 20 minutes ago. All right. Well, where can they find us? Online on movies underscore brews on Instagram and Twitter. You know, let us know what you think. Favorite 90s movies. What you like about Fargo. Tell us why it's a perfect movie. I would like to know. It just is. It just is. I mean, it's good. It's great. But I still don't know what makes a perfect movie. Yeah, it's just good. It's a really good one. All right. Yeah, I need to watch more Cohen Brothers now. Same. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for downloading the show. If you like it, share it with friends. That helps us grow. And we will talk to you next time on Movies and Brews. Cheers. Cheers.